Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. Well, the weather's changed since we last spoke anyway. It's really windy now. It's going to be dark before we've finished recording as well. Yeah, that is what I was out early this morning. I had to take Stuart up to Manchester because he's going down to London. And it was, it did feel very, we left home at 20 to 7 and it felt very dark and wintry. Is it right on cue? The windows are rattling with the yeah, wind. Yeah, well, yes. I have got the window open on a trickle vent. Do you think I should close it? No. Like it's it adds atmosphere. It's mixed, yeah, adds a bit. Anyway, it's been ages since we've done Hasn't one of it? these. Yeah, life's just happened, doesn't it? Yeah. The yeah holidays, holidays, work, Arthog, work, and it's actually a year since we started doing it is this. Now here's a thing: podcast. A whole twelve months. Twelve months. Mad, isn't it? Don't know how it. I yeah, I genuinely don't know how it... You know how in... Um, I can't even remember if it's this podcast or a previous podcast or even a radio show. I'm fairly certain it's a podcast, not a radio show, where I introduced the idea of the helter-skelter of life. I think it was this podcast. It fits into this rather than okay. the business community, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. How, as you get older, the years seem to go quicker. Something I've noticed over the last few weeks, my days have just gone quicker. I sort of poodling through my day doing my stuff and then I look up and it's half past three yeah I feel like that is my life at the moment everything is like I look up and it's half past three is that because you're trying to do too many things or because I think the days are just getting shorter if I'm honest the days get shorter yeah <laughs> nothing to do with me it's not a behavioural issue it's a conspiracy thing somebody's yeah. trying to like the twits somebody's trying to make you think that you're going mad so they're shortening the day well okay so you may jest <laughs> but I was swimming a couple of weeks ago I went with my friend for an early morning swim seven o'clock we're, we're in um, the lake and the sun's just coming up and it's very nice or very very lovely pretty pretty mists have lifted we swim one way down the lake, and as we're turning back, I said to my friend, is it just me, or does it look like the sun is going down now? We weren't in the pool, we went to the lake for 12 hours, I'm fairly certain. No, okay. Unless something odd happened. But then we had this whole, like, oh, so what happens if we've lost 12 hours and the sun is actually going down? Where have we... And we, we created this whole conspiracy theory. Did you then wonder why nobody had sent out a search party for two women of a certain age? You know, my husband, like, come on. <laughs> oh, I thought more the venue, you know, like, oi, everybody out, we're going home. <laughs> no, but we were in a lake, so there was nobody else there. Oh, it was absolutely yeah, wild, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, we didn't have to pay anybody to get in there. Yeah, so we then created a whole backstory to do with alien abductions and the shifting of time. Okay. While you were swimming? Yeah. Did you write it down? No, I think I need to, don't I? I it's like that time that we, we got a little bit drunk and we had a brilliant idea. <laughs> we had idea. the strategising session, yeah, didn't we? it was excellent. It was like, why, why didn't we record it? We knew as we were saying it. Well-oiled well as we were. Yeah. So we have to take that into account. Yeah, yeah. But we're both convinced 
we came up with the best ideas. Absolutely. And then they're completely lost to us. Yeah. Because we thought we'd remember them because it was so good. (laughs) So earth-shatteringly good were those ideas that they're lost now forever. Forever. I just hope nobody was overhearing our conversation and in, you know, in 12 months' time we'll go, that was our idea. Do you think we'd remember, quite honestly? No, probably not. Probably not. Now, here's the thing. Holiday season, right? Yeah. Did you find yourself on a beach at any point during the holiday season? Do you know what? I didn't do beach, no. Not at all? No, not at all. No beach combing? Do you like going beach combing? Well, I did find myself on a beach, sorry, in my first holiday, yes. Yes. Okay. But I didn't comb. No? No okay. combing. So I I like walking along a beach. I like a little bit of beach combing. It's scavenging. Okay, it's scavenging, yeah. But one thing that... You know what it's like with social media. I end up joining Facebook groups about things like I've mentioned before, the giant vegetable group, um, the um, Gates, pictures of Gates, yeah. um, Baylor Twine Society, um, and I've been following Sea Glass, lovely, which is the most beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay, because uh, it's little, obviously. It's bits of glass that have been in the sea. That have been in the sea. But not just any glass. It's the, the glass needs to have been in the sea for a certain amount of time for certain processes. It's been tumbled. Yeah, and for certain chemical reactions to occur with the lime that's in the glass, I think it is. So if you find a bit of a broken bottle, that's not sea glass. You cut yourself. You cut yourself, yeah. Or even if it's smoothed a bit, it becomes sea glass when it's been in the sea for 10, 20 more years. Oh, wow. And and it actually has quite a rough surface. Yeah. Um, I've seen jewellery made, actually. It, yeah. yeah, and it's absolutely beautiful. So um, it and a, a, a lady that I know... She, they go beachcombing. She goes looking for sea glass, and her husband goes looking for fossils. And they're actually in um, in Dorset at the moment. And he, there were some pictures yesterday of some um, dinosaur bones that they'd found. And um, you're holding out your hand as if they fitted in the palm of their hand. They're yeah, not massive. They're not massive. Bones. No, they they were a certain part of some dinosaur. Um, and then your usual swirly things that look like yeah snails. Yeah. Um, and then there were these two sort of jaggedy things that look like daggers. And I said, well, what are they? And apparently they're some sort of squid. Um, you know, like a, oh, a yeah. squid, the sack of a squid. Yeah. Anyway, so sea glass and all of this this beach combing and everything has just been filling my timeline because I've been talking to people about it and people and you've joined weird and groups. I've joined weird groups and yeah. people are making jewelry out of it. So I start started thinking about well, in these groups there are people from all over the world talking about sea glass and the rarest colours. So getting which are orange is really difficult, red is is quite difficult, cobalt blue quite difficult to find because they're rarer so actually when i did a a stained glass course a couple of months ago red glass is more expensive than um than a lot of other colors because of the pigmentation as is this blue bristol glass i think it is which is this cobalt blue um but finding white glass or uh, you don't really find 
clear sea glass because of what's happened to the exterior. But as I've read so up it's on sort it, of milky, isn't it's it? milky, yeah. yeah. And actually, grey glass was a thing once upon a time really? because they hadn't mastered the art of of actually making it clear. Anyway, in a conversation with one lady, and then in conjunction with a, a group that I'm a member of, I was thinking, well, where, like, where do you go to find sea glass? And there are certain places all over the world but around the British Isles in particular. And lo and behold, rather spookily, up on my timeline last night, um, somebody... As if it's been listening As if it's been you, listening yeah. into me. Somebody was travelling to the UK and they were a, um, a sea glass collector and they wanted to know where in the UK were the best places to go. Oh, do share. Well, there's a little map that it's, um, um, that's been set up, um, Sea Glass Beach Guide. And it says not all beaches have been listed because it would be impossible. But literally, they've graded them as top, good and fair. And then they've got little lines and the extent of the coastline that that it covers. So where um, my friend is at the moment is she is in Charmouth. So Charmouth, which is near Lyme Regis, is is good. Um, there's some places up in Scotland, but not loads up in Scotland. But I thought, well, what's near? What's nearest to where to where we live? So Crosby Beach is good. Okay, which uh, is also good to visit for the Anthony Gould. Yeah, so that's a double so, whammy. Yeah. Um, if you go up onto Anglesey, then Rossniger is 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 good. Hollyhead is fair. Um, you sound like the shipping forecast. I, well, I do. Yeah, <laughs> Cardigan Bay is good. Um, the whole of Cardigan—that's it's quite big, Cardigan Bay. Well, but it—it it is the big expanse. I mean, the, oh, well, the line okay. goes all around. Well, that's where I went on holiday. Well, now I don't know how hard. Don't know how hard you have to look for sea glass. You know whether you're meant to dig and sort of, um, or, or whether you're meant to just accept what the sea presents. At any point, you know, or are you allowed to dig deeper to find stuff? I don't know what the etiquette is. So... Don't want to get it wrong. You don't want to get it wrong because it, it gets a bit political. Um, but then the, ne- so then the next question that came into my head was, is it illegal to take things from the beach? That's a very good point. Mm. Is it? Apparently it isn't with sea glass because it is not a native of the beach. So if you took a shell or a pebble, you ain't meant to do that. Okay. But you can take glass or any litter or anything wood. like that. You can take wood. wood yeah. yeah, because they're not um, a, a part of beach, yeah. the yeah the sea itself, uh, which I I thought was really really int- really really interesting. But some of these they look like sweets, they, and I just I just. I just want to have a collection of sea glass. But a lovely story that cropped up. So lots of people have got loads of sea glass and they aren't doing anything with it. So you know, they might have sheds with jars Would you do anything it. with yours or would you just have it? Well, if I've, I'd like to, to do something, to make something with it. Drawback is I'm not very good at making things. But I probably could find a way of making a tile or... A mosaic. A or a mosaic or something. Yeah. I think I could probably manage that. I mean, well, you can help you with that. Most most creative person I know. Dawn. Right, she 
she yeah she'd she, have a she'd system she, yeah she'd probably have all the equipment in her workshop well that's well. the other thing yeah that's that's the other thing but just um just finally on this there was a lovely lovely story again you get you get sucked into conversations don't you and it's quite rare on social media not to find a conversation where people are slagging people off for making some seemingly innocuous comment but there was a lady who wanted to get her children um, into exploring the outdoors um, because they have some mental health issues and she thought that getting them to collect look for glass on the beach would be a really sort of nice sort of central earthing mm. um, process and um, so she asked if anybody had any sea glass that she could buy that she could plant because she didn't want it to be a thankless day on a crappy beach somewhere yeah. in the rain where they go, what's the point of this, Mum? This is just its yeah. n- no fun for anybody. And she was inundated with people who were offering to send her glass, which... So have you done the same? Well, not, well I've asked for some. Yeah, 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 I think... Are you the woman who's got poor kids who yeah, need to look yeah, the glass? Yeah, the woman with no kids. I've never <laughs> thought of that. Probably, yeah, but I really want red or orange or cobalt blue. Because my children would really, really like, like that. that. Yeah. That's not you, though. No, no, no. no. But I just thought it was just a really lovely little story unfolding. Yeah. And, people, and she was saying, oh, no, I couldn't possibly ask you to... Like, no, I just... <laughs> the lorry turns up in yeah, tips or there's sea glass on their drive. Isn't that a lovely thing? It's they very said nice. That, yeah, it's it's because it's the sea glass community. Yeah, I thought it was very lovely. Giving. So I'd quite like to join it, but then I don't know a if my back would be able to stand it, and then you'd be... have to take like a, a, a small child with you to pick it up for you, or um, you know those little litter, litter grabbers. Pickers, yeah, <laughs> get one of those. So, so some uh, some way that you don't have to bend that. Maybe you could just crawl along the. What, on stones? No. Okay, maybe not. No. Anyway. Maybe you need to find a different hobby. But I want, I want this, I want this to be my hobby. I want it to be my hobby. I just don't know if I'll be able to do it. But now that I know that I don't have to go too far, I'm going to go. Okay. I'll let you know what I bring. Yeah, if there's reports of women stuck, um, bent too on Crosby Beach, you can't stand up again. Yes, it's and it's not an Anthony Gormley statue <laughs> that's, that's drooped over. One of the other things was why it why is there really good sea glass in certain areas? And it's um, it seems to be to do with shipping routes. Yeah. Um, because basically everything just got chucked into the sea. Yeah. Um, the collecting of sea glass is o- is only about thirty years old. It, people didn't really used to do it um so it will it will be to do with shipping routes and it will also be to do with where if there have been like dumps where bottles and all sorts of stuff have just been dumped um and then obviously the the, the, the flow of the ocean yeah. things pocket a bit like you have coastal erosion yeah. i suppose or deposit things at certain places around the coastline and around the world wow and you're an expert in sea glass a five-minute expert. <laughs> it reminds me of the uh, story of Agatha Christie, who used to uh, used to really throw herself into things that she enjoyed and would research and research and, and study things. I can't remember the subject, but she asked somebody 
um, once who's the, you know, I, she, she needed to ask something about this particular topic. And she asked a trusted friend, it's like, who's the expert in this area? I need to speak to them. And they just turned to her and said, you are. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be you, expert on sea glass mm. this week. This week, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> tune in next week when I'll be an expert on something else. Now, here's the thing. Bit different to sea glass, but hey-ho. Um, what has um, AHA got to do with electric car usage in Norway. The band Aha. The band. Morton Harkett. Electric car usage in Norway. Um, I don't know. Okay, so the, the electric car usage in Norway is world class. It's really well adopted and the infrastructure and everything is there for it. Um, however, um, this interesting story popped up in Positive News. Okay. I saw it because... Morton Harkett, yeah, of course. Yeah, just happened to notice. Yeah. Norway, worked for a Norwegian company, electric cars, got one. So, okay, let's read this. So this is um, how a motley, bracket, star-studded crew paved the way for Norway's EV revolution. Okay. I'm in. Okay. I thought you said it was a how, not the motley crew. Ha-ha. <laughs> Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on, sorry. Shall we leave now? Yeah. So, in the 80s, Morton Harkett drove a homemade electric car across Norway, breaking lots of road rules and regulations in order to make a point to the Norwegian government that they needed to change their policies around electric vehicles. Okay. Wow, that was quite... And now, Norway... Have world class in terms of their EV usage. Okay, do you want to know how it all happened? Yeah. So, uh, let's have a look. 30 years ago, uh, architect Harold Rustvik, um, oh no, actually in the mid 70s, that's a lot longer than 30 years ago. I know. It doesn't feel like it should be. Uh, it says in this article, he had an environmental awakening when the rest of Norway was in the grip of the North Sea oil rush. Okay. So where they made an awful lot of money in Norway. But they've got the National Fund, which is based on North Sea oil. Um, but instead of joining that rush, he rebelled. He went the other way. While they were all running towards the money, he went in the opposite direction. And they had to move country because he was ostracised. Really? He went elsewhere. He went to Switzerland, so oh, he didn't go okay. too far. And in 1985, he took part in something called Tour de Sol, which is a solar-powered car rally in the Alps. Okay. So, 1985, did you know about a solar-powered car rally in the Alps? I don't know. I bet you remember that Aha were top of the charts. Yeah, I remember that. So, this sort of coincided in that AHA with their um, their ethical um, outlook on life wanted to donate some money to an environmental cause and they approached Harold Rostvik for some advice. He put them in touch with a protest group and 
they they were um, looking into hazardous waste dumps. So that was the connection made. And then Harold Rostvik decided to do the Tour de Sol again. And he also invited the founder of the organisation that Ahar had donated to and uh, Morton Harkett and the keyboard from Aha, whose name is? The keyboard player from Aha. Max. And I can't oh. say his surname. He was known as Max. Okay. Anyway. Magna something something. Anyway. Something. Max. Yeah, Max he's known as. Um, and they got all their attention because they drove this electric car in the Tour de Sol uh, in Switzerland. And then they took it a step further. They took that car, which was based on a Fiat Panda. Okay, crikey Fiat They'd Pandas. ripped out the back seat and put in batteries. So big were the batteries. And it took two days to charge and had a range of just 40 miles. Wow. But they took it back to Norway. And then, as it says in this article, what any self-respecting pop group would do, they broke the rules. They went... In bus lanes, they went through toll booths without paying, they parked illegally, they did everything they could to bring attention to themselves in the electric car with the aim of um, campaigning for tax breaks and incentives for green motoring. And that put their spotlight on um, electric vehicles way back then. That's amazing. So, so what... Were they using their own money to fund this? I believe so. So it was yes. not a commercial thing, no. it was a genuine... No. Um... And what, what they did is, um, when they didn't pay any of the fines, they weren't going to pay the fines, they had the car confiscated. And the way that the um, government they would then deal with the car is they would sell it at auction. And they'd just buy it back? Yeah, because nobody else wanted to buy a Fiat Panda with a range of 40 kilometres. So... Apparently, they said it happened many times, and we always bought it back. <laughs> but what a fascinating it story. says over the next decade, the Norwegian government caved. Harold Rostvik is quoted as saying, "We broke them and embarrassed them, and we showed them there was an interesting technology, but it needed incentives, and that it would cost money." So, and it actually started to work. Um, over the 90s and early 2000s, they introduced free parking and charging for electric vehicles, toll exemptions and tax breaks. EV drivers could drive in bus lanes and could ride ferries for free. Although apparently mostly still in place today, but some have been recently watered down, probably as it's... As it's more reached, and more vehicles, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and everybody's, you know, got the vehicles mm. now. So what do you think about that? I think that's... Well, I think, I was going to say, I don't know why I've never heard of that, but then it is quite niche. It's in Norway. It's and not it's, affecting us, is no. it? But um, it is, as a bit of social history, Yeah, it, it's an incredible thing. It, it's a bit of protesting, peaceful protesting, yeah. isn't it? But yeah. it's actually construct, done constructively. Here is, here's a thing. Yeah. Technically speaking, they've broken the rules, they've broken the laws. Yeah. But they haven't harmed anybody right. and it, it was just a way of getting media attention yeah. and the government listened. So um, Norway now is, is actually looking at, um, I mean, they are leaders in terms of renewable energy. 
um, then their electricity in Norway is 96% um, powered by renewable hydroelectricity. Crikey. I work for one of the yeah, hydroelectric yeah. companies. And so they've already got a bit of a head start. And the geography, and there'll be certain things that enable that to happen that might not be the case yeah. in other... Yeah, we, we don't have massive um, waterfalls here in the UK. But what we do have is solar energy. We, we've got the capacity for massive amount of solar energy. We, we could have solar energy on public buildings... It could be mandatory for all new build warehouses or mm. factories. Mm. You know, there's a lot of things that, that we could do that would suit our geography as opposed to Norway. But, uh, yeah, but even um, that spread further as well because they, they've got um, boats and um, short-hop plane flights and buses. They, they're starting, you know, to really make headway with that transport as See, well. Uh, but all of that, all of that comes from um, one thing and then building on it. What what it feels like. I mean, I, I obviously I'm not an expert. I haven't read, I haven't read a spreadsheet, a, a website on it. But we don't. Sometimes we don't seem to have the courage of our convictions, and we don't stick with stuff. Yeah, you know, we, we we try a bit of this, and then and then we try a bit, a bit of that. Short and then, termism, yeah, and yeah. Rather than, you know, we've got this, we have got the sea. How do we, you know we've got wind farms, we've got solar panel farms. You know, we've yeah. got some hydroelectricity in certain parts of the the country, um, but we don't. It feels like we don't stick with something. Yeah, and it, it makes a point in this article that. What what they helped to drive was a mindset change. Yes, and I think that it. is something that's got to happen anyway in society. You know, so this this drive has got to move us away from just always taking short term profits. We've got to think a little bit longer as well, and as to how we, you can evolve. But that's a mindset change, isn't it? Yeah, it's not an easy I transition. Think, no, and I I mean I don't know how the Norwegian government is formed. You know, I, I don't. I don't know how they're elected, how often they're elected, how all that happens. Um, but it's having some consistent. There's got to be some consistency yeah. in terms of investment. Otherwise, yeah, you know, four years just, down the line, you've got a new government and they change direction. Exactly, then. everybody's just redecorating the lounge every year, you know, because everybody wants it a bit different. So uh, yeah, I don't know, but wow, I had no idea about aha. That's yeah. Every day's a learning day. I always thought he was a force for good, but clearly he was more than a force for good when it comes to music. I've got nothing to say to that. Now Here's a Thing is a Jones and Noble production brought to you every week. Well, maybe not every week, Heather. <laughs> Recorded with an iPhone, a microphone and lots of hot air.